Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Well, man, I am pumped. Obviously, I am not Pastor Josh Brown. He is the taller, more handsome one. But he is out of town this week with Judah Brown, and they're having a man's trip. And so I get to fill in today, and I'm so excited. Can I tell you, there is no place like worship up at Overflow Church. Vanjie and I were out of town last week. We went to Colorado, uh, where we served in ministry for 10 years. And we actually went to visit our son and see my Kaylee Dawn bring a word at a youth camp there in Colorado. But we, were, we went to church on Sunday, and man, it was good. But I can tell you, this place is absolutely amazing. So if you don't have a church home, I just encourage you to make Overflow Church your church home. Amen. Well, we are continuing our series, Dominion. And I don't think Pastor Josh knew that I was going to piggyback off him, but I said, you know what, I'm just going to steal his series title. And we're just going to keep on going. In dominion. And so today, if you are taking notes, we are going to be talking about taking dominion over our emotions. Dominion over our emotions. And you see, Pastor Josh talks about it a lot, but as believers, as the body of Christ, as sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, we're supposed to be the ones leading our emotions. But all too many times we find our emotions leading us. And that's not a problem. I mean, emotions aren't necessarily a bad thing. I'm sure there's a lot of wives in the house today that wish their husbands would probably show a little bit more emotion. You know, my wife will tell you, my kids will tell you, this is Aaron when he's happy. This is Aaron when he's sad. This is Aaron, when, you know. And so emotions aren't necessarily a bad thing. But the problem is when we let our circumstance determine our joy. We cannot let our circumstance determine our joy. You see, there's a difference between joy and happiness. And I know I've talked about this a lot in previous messages, but it's such a strong thing on my heart because I'm sick and tired of seeing the enemy steal the joy of the church. I looked up a definition of joy, and I, I just love the way this guy worded it. And it says, joy is more than a happy feeling. Come on. Joy, the joy of the Lord is more than a happy feeling. True joy is a limitless, life-ending, transformative reservoir waiting to be tapped into. It requires the utmost surrender and like love is a choice to be made. The joy of the Lord is a choice to be made. Even when things aren't going my way, I'm going to choose to have the joy of the Lord. You see, it's a lasting emotion that comes from the choice to trust that God will fulfill his promises. The joy of the Lord is trust in him that he is going to fulfill every promise that he has given to you. Amen. You see, if the, if the children of Israel would have had joy and kept their joy in the desert, they wouldn't have been stuck for 40 years. But they decided to grumble and complain and lose their joy and base their happiness on their circumstances. So the Lord said, okay, well, here you go. So for 40 years, they wondered. 
But I can tell you today, if you will keep the joy of the Lord, you will not have to wonder in the desert. And so the title of the message today, if you're taking notes, is Joy in the Wilderness. Joy in the Wilderness. And so I, I, the Lord really put this on my heart. I, we, I was having a message, a message, a conversation with my son a, a few weeks ago. My wife and I were talking to him on the phone. And just a few years ago, the Lord gave a promise to our son. And I'm not going to go into the details of it all, but the Lord made him a promise. And for two or three years now, he's been hanging on and that promise has not come forth yet. And so I could tell over just over the last couple of years, there's been different times when the enemy has stolen his joy because that promise hasn't come to pass. And so the Lord really put it on my heart. What do we do when we're in the waiting? How can we keep the joy when the promise hasn't come? How can we keep the joy when things don't seem to be going the way we thought it would go? And so as we were talking to him, the Lord just dropped our verses on my heart and I just began to share it with him and I just began to get excited because I just felt the joy of the Lord as I was sharing these verses. And so if you will open your Bibles, we are going to be in Philippians chapter four today. We're gonna start in verse four. And so this is the Apostle Paul writing. He has written to the church of Philippi. He's closing the letter out. And he's given these final words of encouragement to the church of Philippi. And so I really think that these scriptures, these verses can really help us keep the joy in the wilderness. So Philippians chapter 4 verse 4 starts this way. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. In verse nine, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it in to practice and the God of peace will be with you. Father, we thank you today, God, that you are our joy. We thank you today, God, that in you, we can have peace that transcends all understanding. And so today, Lord, I pray that you would just pour out your spirit upon us, God, that every word that comes out of my mouth would be straight from the throne room of heaven, God. Lord, I need your anointing today, Lord Jesus. May I just minister under the power of your spirit, Lord Jesus. We love you today. Thank you that your presence is in this place today. In your name we pray, and everybody said, amen. amen. So the question that we want to answer, the question we want to look at today as we're going through the message is how can we take dominion over our emotions? Are you ready? Number one, Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So typically when the Bible repeats itself, it's something that's pretty important and you ought to jot it down. And so Paul here says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So if you're taking notes or if you have your Bible, your iPad, your phone, whatever you got, I just, I encourage you to underline that thing. Rejoice in the Lord 
always. So how can we take dominion over our emotions? Number one, rejoice always. Rejoice always. It's easy to rejoice when the bills are paid. Come on, it's easy to rejoice when you're on the mountaintop. It's easy to rejoice when everything is going your way and everything seems to be good. But what about when the bills aren't paid? Is praise on your lips in that moment? When you're in the valley moments, are you rejoicing? You see, I love what Pastor Max said when he was here just a few weeks ago. The children of Israel, when they were delivered out of, um, in the book of Exodus, you see, they had, when they got on the other side of the, of the river, of the sea, they sang a praise song, which was amazing. The Lord delivered them, and so they decided to sing praise. But you see, he said they had the right song, but in the wrong place. You see, they should have been praising the Lord before they were delivered. What are you going to do when the Egyptians are chasing after you and it doesn't seem like there's any way of escape? Are you still going to have praise on your lips? Are you still going to rejoice? It's easy when the deliverance has already come. But Paul is saying rejoice always, no matter what it looks like, no matter what situation, no matter what circumstance, rejoice in the Lord. You see, I love that song we sing here at Overflow, Praise Before My Breakthrough. Ooh, that is a powerful song. And I love when Jen sings that song because if you know Jen, you know she's got a testimony. And you know when she sings that song, the Lord is doing something in her heart because see, she had to have praise before her breakthrough. And God is challenging us Praise before your breakthrough comes. Praise when it doesn't look good. Praise when the bills aren't prayed. Praise when your children are astray. Praise when your marriage isn't going the way you thought it would go. Praise the Lord. Rejoice always. I think about Paul and Silas, and I mentioned this in one of my recent messages, but here are Paul and Silas doing the mission of God, doing what God has commanded them to do, and they get arrested and then they're thrown into a dungeon. And in this dungeon, there is no ventilation. It's stinky. Their feet are in chains and in locks. They're probably in the worst pain that they've ever been in their lives for doing what the Lord has asked them to do. And Paul and Silas had a decision to make in that moment. Are they going to gripe and complain that, that, that they're thrown in the stocks and they're thrown in this dungeon? Or are they going to praise and the Bible says that about midnight, Paul and Silas begin to praise and sing hymns unto God. And so I just encourage you with that. When, the, when Paul is challenging us to rejoice in the Lord, no matter what the circumstance looks like, rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. We don't rejoice because of what God has done. We rejoice because of who God is. Come on, I'm going to say that again. We don't rejoice because we've been delivered. We don't rejoice because what God has done for us. We rejoice because he's worthy. If he never did another thing for me, I'm going to rejoice. If he never delivered me again, if I'm always in the valley moments, it does not matter because I'm going to rejoice because of who God is. Come on, I, I just encourage you when you're in those moments, when it doesn't seem like you can have joy, when it doesn't seem like you can be rejoicing, remember that rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice because he is worthy of our praise. And you can say, you know what, Aaron, how can I do that? How can I praise in the situation that I'm in? You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I'm going through right now. So how can I, going through this valley, rejoice 
in the Lord. And I believe Jesus has an answer for you in John verses 16, verse 33. You see, the Lord is talking to the disciples at the last supper. And he's beginning to prepare them for what's about to take place. And he's already washed their feet and he's predicted his death. And he's told Judas that Judas is going to betray him. He's told Peter that Peter is going to deny him. And so he's, he's talking about some weighty things. And then he tells them that he's going to leave. And they're like, man, what's, what's going to happen after you leave? And so they're downhearted and they're downtrodden. And the Lord tells them this in John 16, 33. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrow. Come on. He doesn't say you might have. It doesn't say maybe. It says you will have many, not just a little bit, many trials and sorrows. And if you've been walking with the Lord long enough, you know that sorrows come. You know that challenges come. You know that valley moments come. But what does he say? Take heart because I have overcome the world. Come on. Jesus Christ has overcome every situation that you've been through. Every situation that you've been in, every situation that you're going through, Jesus has overcome the world. So how can I rejoice always? And again, I say rejoice because my savior, my King has already overcome the world. It reminds me of the story of Jesus walking on the water. You see, Jesus had just fed the 5,000. He had just done incredible ministry with the disciples. It was at the end of the day, and he told the disciples, I want you to go. Go ahead and go on to the other side of the sea, take the boat, and then I'm going to meet you over there. So the disciples jump in the boat, they get in the water, and they begin to make their way, and the storms come. The waves start crashing. They begin to get a little nervous. They begin to get a little scared. But here comes Jesus walking on the water. And so many times that story becomes about Peter and Peter's faith about stepping out of the boat and meeting Jesus. But to me, I think about Jesus just walking on the water. I think about Jesus just walking calmly when the storms are raging. Jesus is just walking calmly on the water out to them. And I'm here to tell you today, Jesus is walking calmly over the storms of your life. We can have faith and trust in him. We can rejoice in him because he walks on the issues and the storms of our life. I love this commentator and how he said it. He said, he is coming over the waves that you are most afraid of. Come on, those disciples were scared. The waves were crashing against the boat. They didn't know what they were going to do. They were scared, but he is coming over the waves that you're afraid of. The very waves that threaten to batter and break you into pieces are the pavement for his feet. Woo. Come on, the very thing that's threatening to break you is the pavement for his feet. It's not the storms of his feet. It's not the waves crashing over the boat of his feet. It's the pavement walking smoothly over the issues of your life. You see, the Bible tells us that God works all things together for the good to those who are in Christ Jesus and called according to his purpose. Every situation, every circumstance, every valley moment, he works it together for your good, for your testimony. Verse five, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Verse six, do not be anxious about anything. And I'm going to stop there. Do not be anxious 
about anything. I want you to circle that word anything, because if you look that up in the Greek and the Hebrew, that means anything. <laughs> Don't be anxious about anything. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter. Look how bad it is. Do not be anxious about anything. Come on. Our society gives us plenty to be anxious about. We got 24 seven news coming to our phones and our TVs to get us anxious about everything that's going on. Last night, as I was getting my notes together for this message, I just picked up my phone and went to one of my news apps and it was bad story after bad story after bad. There was nothing encouraging in the news. And come on, that can overwhelm you. That can cause you to be anxious about a lot of things because it is constantly bombarding us 24 seven. More than 23 million Americans suffer from some sort of anxiety disorder. 23 million Americans are suffering from something that the Lord never intended us to suffer with. But the enemy, the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And so he's going to do whatever he can to bring you down. But the apostle Paul is telling us, do not be anxious about anything and forget the news cycle. What about the concerns of my own life? How can I not be anxious when it doesn't look like my bills are going to get paid and I may lose my house? How can I not be anxious when my boss isn't a very good dude and I hate going to work every day, but I need to keep going to work to pay the bills? How am I not going to be concerned when my marriage is in shambles and it doesn't look like it's going to get any better? How can I not be concerned when my kids are wayward and it doesn't look like they're ever going to come back to Christ? You see, forget the news, forget the world. I've got enough stuff in my own life to cause me to be anxious. But Paul is telling us, do not be anxious about anything. You see, outwardly, there is so much stuff we can choose to worry about. So much stuff. So many things in this world that we can choose to be anxious about. We can choose to be fearful about. We can choose to let overwhelm us. But inwardly, if you are a believer in Christ, there is power in the spirit of God to overcome all anxiety. The Bible says it's not by power, it's not by might, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. How can we do that? How can we not be anxious when things aren't going the way we hoped? When we're in the valley moments, Psalm 55, 22 says this, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. Cast every care that you have on the Lord and he will sustain you. And I want you to get this part. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Come on, circle that word never. He will never let the righteous be shaken. You see, when you are in Christ, when you keep your mind and your focus on him, you can never be shaken. It's possible. It's possible for you not to have anxiety. It's possible for you not to have worry or fear. It's possible for you not to be shaken at every little thing when the enemy tries to snare you, when the enemy tries to trip you up. It's possible for you not to be shaken if you will just cast your cares on him. It doesn't say cast your cares on your wife. It doesn't say cast your cares on your kids. It doesn't say cast your cares on your pastor, your president, your church. It says cast your cares on Jesus 
and he will sustain you and he will allow you to never be shaken. Where are you putting your cares this morning? Who are you giving your cares to? Are you worried about who's going to be president? Are you worried about if the bills are going to be paid? Come on. Come on, we got too many people with too many politics up in the church, man. We got too many people looking to the White House instead of to God's house. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Cast your cares on him and he will sustain you. The words of Jesus, Matthew 25, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body or what you will wear. It is, is life not more than food and the body not more than clothes. Come on, we got a lot of materialistic people in this world that are worried about their food. They're worried about their clothes. And, and come on, when you got kiddos and stuff, that, that's, that's stuff to be concerned about and worried about. But Jesus, in his own words here, is saying, don't worry about what you're going to wear and don't worry about what you're going to eat. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away any barns. Have you ever seen a, a bird put a, a bunch of nuts under their wing and try to fly off and put food under their wing and try to save it for later? No. They just eat what they get and then they go away happy about their business. And that's what Jesus is saying. Listen, you don't have to try to worry. You don't have to try to store up all these things because I'm going to take care of you like the birds of the air. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? You see, when you don't know your identity, that's when things can begin to fall apart. That's when things can cause you to be anxious, cause you to worry, cause you to have fear. But when you realize your identity is a son and daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and you have the same inheritance as Jesus Christ, Come on, all that fear, all that worry, all that anxiety begins to melt away. Man, he's got an inheritance for you that you can't even think of. You can't even imagine because you're one of his kids. Verse 27, can any one of you, and I want you to hear this. Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? How much time do we spend worrying, anxiety, fear, uh, one, of, one of my favorite commentators, Pastor, Pastor Jim, who used to be in our church, I was reading his commentary and he had this in, in there and I'm sure it's, a, it's out there everywhere under Google, but 92% of things we're wary about never come to pass. 92% of the things we stress about, worry about, have anxiety over, never even come to pass. And yet 92% of those things the enemy uses day after day after day, minute by minute, hour after hour to keep us anxious. You see, what it boils down to is where is your trust at? Where's your trust at? Who are you trusting in? Are you trusting in King Jesus or are you trusting in somebody else to fulfill the needs in your life or something else? Come on. Don't run to alcohol, don't run to drugs, don't run to pills, run to Jesus. He will sustain you. Where is your trust? Verse six continues, but in every situation by prayer 
and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Come on, I want you to underline that with thanksgiving. Circle that in your Bible. You see, as Christians, we got the first part of that verse down with prayer and petition. Come on, we, we know how to pray. We know when things are going bad, we know directly where to go. We know how to ask Jesus to solve our problems, but it's the thanksgiving part that we forget about. With prayer and petition and thanksgiving. We miss that so many times. Present your request to God. You see, the disciples only asked Jesus one thing. If you read the gospels, if you read the scriptures, the disciples only asked Jesus to ever teach them one thing, and that was Jesus teach us how to pray. And so he gave them the Lord's prayer. And at the very beginning of the Lord's prayer, it says, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Before you ask for anything, before you ask for another thing, the Lord says, hallowed be thy name. So when you open up your prayer every morning, Father, I praise you because you're worthy. God, I thank you because of who you are. God, I thank you that you woke me up this morning. God, I thank you for what you've done in my life. And before I ask you for anything, I'm going to praise you for who you are. So number two, how can we take dominion? over our emotions, have an attitude of gratitude. Come on, Pastor Josh has said that before. Have an attitude of gratitude. And I love Pastor Josh just a little while back. He said recently, every morning when he wakes up, praise is on his lips. Every morning when he wakes up, thankfulness is on his lips. Every morning when he wakes up, gratitude is on his lips. And can I tell you, I'm trying to be better about that. I'm trying to, as soon as I wake up in the morning and my eyes are open, God, I thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for redeeming me. Vanjie and I were watching a reel the other day. We were scrolling on something I don't remember and a worship song came up and a guy just kind of took a praise break there for a minute. I love when they do praise breaks. One day you're gonna see me do a praise break up here. At Overflow Church. But they were singing about Thanksgiving. And he said this, and it blew my mind. He said, a recent study says that the part of your brain that processes anxiety and the part of your brain that processes Thanksgiving cannot operate at the same time. Come on, when you've got Thanksgiving in your heart, it, your brain cannot have anxiety and fear and worry at the same time time. You see, worship and worry cannot live in the same place. Worship and worry cannot live in the same place. So if you have an attitude of gratitude, if you are constantly in a state of thanksgiving to Christ, you cannot operate in anxiety and fear and worry. That's good stuff. Come on, when you have an attitude of gratitude, you cannot fear, you cannot worry, you cannot have anxiety because scientifically it cannot happen. Come on, there's something that happens inside of you when you begin to thank God for what he's done. Come on, faith begins to stir up inside of you when you begin to remember what God has done for you. When you begin to have thanksgiving in your heart, something begins to stir inside of me. Something, faith begins to arise in me when I remember that the enemy tried to take out both of my kids, but the, but the father rose up a, a standard against the enemy and he wasn't allowed to. You see, something arises in me when I remember that the God rescued when God rescued my marriage, when it was in crumbles and it was in shambles and there was no 
nowhere for us to go and it looked like there was no rescue. God redeemed my marriage. You see, something happens and faith begins to stir inside of you when you remember where God took you from and where you are now. When he rescued you from the miry clay, when he saved your soul. Come on, when you remember who you were before he got a hold of you, woo! Thanksgiving in your heart. Worship and worry cannot operate in the same place. So I just encourage you, man, be worshiping 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And can I tell you, I'm preaching to myself. It's hard. It's not easy. It's not easy to not have worry, anxiety, fear, but come on, when you have Thanksgiving, when you remember what he has done for you, it cannot operate in the same place. And see, this is what happens. This is what happens when you have Thanksgiving. This is what happens when the Lord transforms your life. Verse seven, and the peace of God. There's nothing like the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Come on, there's no understanding for the peace of God. That transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. You see, when we make Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, we can experience a peace that the world cannot understand. Come on, when you're at work and your coworkers know what's going on inside of your life and you walk in that door with a smile on your face, they're going to be like, what is going on in that guy's life? I want what that dude has. When the family members that you have that aren't saved know what's going on in your life and you show up to the family reunion with praise on your lips and a happy smile on your face, they're going to want to know what you've got. We can experience his peace in any circumstance. Any circumstance that you find yourself in, you can have the peace of God. When my father was on his deathbed and we didn't know if he was going to make it or not, I had the peace of God. When my marriage was in shambles, yet I had the peace of God. When my son was in the hospital and they came and told us that he wasn't going to make it through the night, I had the peace of God because see, it's a peace that transcends all understanding. You see, our mind is where the battle takes place. Your mind is the, is the enemy's playground. He wants to jack with you. He wants to jack with your mind. He wants to play games with you. But if you can get a hold of Christ, and if you can keep Christ at the forefront of your mind, you see, our imaginations will run wild. Come on, how many of you have been there? How many of you have let your imaginations take you to places that you never dreamed you would go? I've been there, man. I've let my imagination take me. You don't want to know what's going up inside of this brain sometimes. <laughs> I mean, I got some weird stuff going on in my head at times. But if you can win the battle of the mind, come on, my wife will attest to it. I got crazy stuff up in there sometimes. But man, if you can keep Jesus at the forefront, if you can keep Thanksgiving into your heart, if you can rejoice at all times, come on, your mind won't be a battleground for the enemy. We're reading a book right now by Jonathan Evans, and it's called Fighting Your Battles. And he had this quote, and I absolutely loved it. And it says, everybody is chasing peace. Come on, right? Everybody, every single one of us 
is chasing peace. But peace doesn't mean that the sun is always shining. Peace doesn't mean that everything's always going our way. Peace doesn't mean that everything's always happy, healthy, comfy, cozy. You see, peace means that you're always shining even when it's raining. I thought that was good. Peace means that even when it's raining, you're always shining. Peace doesn't mean that everything is okay. Peace means that when everything is not okay, you're okay. I love that. I love that even when not, everything's not okay, I can still be okay in Jesus. We sang about it this morning, but as I was thinking about peace, a verse that we all probably know and have memorized came to mind, and I wanted to read it because it's just so calming, and it always brings peace into my heart, and that's Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Come on, for his name's sake, for his glory. Not, not my name's sake, not anything I can do, not anything I have to offer, but for his name's sake. Come on, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Come on, that is peace right there. In the darkest valley, you will fear no evil. For who? You are with me. King Jesus, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before the presence of my enemies. Come on, he prepares a table before the presence of the enemy. You see, when the enemy comes to play games with your mind, when the enemy tries to rush in and still kill and destroy you, he prepares a table before you. You see, he's already overcome. Your storms are his pavement. I love that. I love, you know, I probably shouldn't, but I love the verses when David talks about breaking people's teeth in songs. Come on, don't you feel like that sometimes? Like praying like, come on, God, break that guy's teeth. Just like you did for King David. Woo, he prepares a table before my enemies. Come on, that's good. That's a good reminder. When that jerk at work, no, I'm just kidding. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Mm. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely his goodness and mercy will follow you, run after you, chase after you all the days of your life. You see, if we keep our mind on him, he will keep us in perfect peace. If you keep all your mind on King Jesus, he will keep you in perfect peace. Verse eight, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. How many know it's hard to always be thinking about those kind of things? When I was studying last night, I just hopped on Google. I wanted to see how, how much are we bombarded every day? And so I just did a little Google search. How many advertisements are we exposed to on a daily basis? And I was shocked. 
on an average day for an average American, we are exposed to four to 10,000 advertisements a day. Four to 10,000 times a day, the enemy is trying to distract you. The enemy is trying to keep you from focusing on these things, from whatever is pure and lovely and right and admirable and praiseworthy. Come on, we, we live in a society that just wants to jack with us, that wants to take us down, that wants to play games with your mind. But Paul is saying, if you want to win the battle of your mind, meditate on him. Meditate on King Jesus. If you want to be able to focus on those things, meditate on him. Can I tell you, it's okay in your prayer time to be quiet. Isn't that hard though? Man, because like when I'm in my prayer time, I, not even if I'm asking for stuff, I'm just telling him how good he is, how worthy he is. But sometimes he's saying, would you just be quiet for a minute and just meditate on me? Think on me. Let me talk to you. Let me give you a word. Let me give you some encouragement. But would you just be quiet? Be still. And that's what Paul is saying here. Think on these things. Meditate on him. When all these distractions are coming at you over and over and over, 4,000 times a day, 10,000 times a day, meditate on him. Can I say there's nothing more important in your life than your prayer and devotional life with Jesus? Nothing. The only way that you're going to be able to have joy in the wilderness is if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you can't have that by not praying and not reading your word. So I just encourage you, I don't care if it's for five minutes every day, get in the word of God and just take a few moments and talk to Jesus. You know, he is jealous for you. Isn't it awesome that the creator of the heavens and the earth wants to know what's going on in your life? That he wants to spend time with you because if you knew the stuff going on up here, you probably wouldn't want to spend much time with me sometimes. But Jesus is saying, I'm so desperate for you. I'm so desperate for you to take two minutes just to stop and pause and talk to me. Tell me about your day. Tell me about those valley moments. Tell me about those things that are overwhelming you. Tell me about those anxieties and fears and worries in your life. And let me give you a peace that passes all understanding. So number three, how can we take dominion over our emotions? Meditate on him. If you want to take dominion over the emotions in your life, meditate on him. Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. As you think in your heart, so is he. I know I'm running out of time here, but I love this quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson, who was an essayist and a poet. And I found this last night and it was just so powerful. And it says, so a thought and you reap an action. So an act and you reap a habit. So a habit and you reap a character. So a character and you reap a destiny. All with the start of a thought. So a thought and you reap an action. So an act and you reap a habit. So a habit and you reap a character. So a character and you reap a destiny. That's not light words. You start throwing words around like destiny. And that's heavy stuff. 
Come on, I want my destiny to be King Jesus. I want my thoughts, my actions, and my character to be King Jesus at all times, every day, no matter what's going on. Because you see, I want to leave a legacy for my family. I want to leave a legacy for my kids and my grandkids. I want my destiny to be all about Jesus. I want to close with verse nine. The musicians can come. Verse nine says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. I want you to circle that, underline that, put it into practice. Whatever you've seen or heard or or heard me do, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Put it into practice. James 1.22 tells us not to just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. See, you can hear all you want. You can hear message after message, Sunday after Sunday. You can take this message and leave here. But if you do not put it into practice, if you do not put God's word into practice, if you do not put into practice what he's whispering at the midnight hour, you're never going to have that peace that passes all understanding. You're not going to have the victory over the anxiety and the fear and the worry. The whole time I was preparing this message, that song, Firm Foundation, was on my mind. I've got joy and chaos. I've got peace that makes no sense. I'm typically a three-point guy, but I'm sneaking in a fourth point today. What are you building your foundation on? You see at the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, 24, Jesus says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Number four, how can we take dominion over our emotions, build a firm foundation? Come on, build your foundation on King Jesus. Don't build your foundation on all the things. Those 4,000 advertisements they're throwing at you each and every day. Build your foundation on Christ and Christ alone. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? How can we take dominion over our emotions? Rejoice always. Have an attitude of gratitude. Meditate on him and build a firm foundation in Jesus. I don't know about you guys, but there's many times that that I struggle with this in my own life. I, I told you I'm preaching at myself today. When things aren't going like they're supposed to, I'm, I'm the first one to let things take me off the rail. But Jesus is saying, if you will put your trust in me, if you will rejoice always, meditate 
on him. Build a firm foundation. Man, you will have peace that passes all understanding. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't want to embarrass anybody today. But if you're here today and you say, you know what? Aaron, I I have, I've struggled with my emotions. I've struggled with fear. I've struggled with worry, anxiety. The enemy seems to get me off the tracks all the time. Would you just slip up your hand real quick and put it back down? I just want to pray for you this morning. Father, we thank you today, God, that you are greater. Father, we thank you today that the storms are our life, are your pavement for your blessed feet, God. Right now, God, I pray for a supernatural peace that transcends all understanding for every person that raised their hand in this room today, God. God, we're so thankful that your word tells us that all authority in heaven and earth have been given unto me. All authority, authority over every situation, every circumstance, God. Lord, I pray that when the people that raise their hands are struggling with their emotions, God, that you would remind them to have a spirit of thanksgiving in their heart because we're worship and worry cannot operate in the same place. God, when the enemy is coming like a flood, when he's trying to whisper lies in our ears, when he's trying to tell us that we need to go to everything else but Jesus, God, I pray that you would remind us that if we will just run to you, peace is coming. Answers are coming. Healing is coming. So Father, I pray today for the battle of the mind. That you would quelch every fear, every worry. God, that we would be anxious for nothing. We look to you, God. Help us keep our eyes on you today, King Jesus. Thank you for this time, God. Thank you for allowing me to share your word today, God. I love it so much. Thank you, Father, that we can have joy in the wilderness. In your mighty name we pray, amen and amen.